in there. Um, that is no mistake. We were at a part in Revelation I'm going to call the big shift. How many of you ever drove a vehicle or a motorcycle or anything that has a tachometer? When you get into the red line, you're supposed to shift. I don't know if you know that. That's a good time to shift. On my motorcycle, it has spots that you can, it will like, it has a rev limiter. Only that you rev so far, but you can set it where it will give you a, a, a light to flash on the, when it's like you're getting close or wherever you want to set it. You want to shift at this, boom, it'll just light up. So you see where the six is at? We're at Revelation chapter six. It's time to shift. Um, the word in the Greek that that's, it says quickly all throughout Revelation is the word tachio, which is where we get our word tachometer. That's why that's like that. This is just so we will put in our mind. Every, when you get in your car and you look at the tachometer now, or you look at it, time to shift. The book of Revelation and the, the letter and the revelation of Jesus Christ is shifting gears rapidly at six. It's revving up and then, boom, grab another gear. You're just going to see more of these shifts. So... Um, the funny thing is I'm not going to read a whole heck of a lot and probably not even going to read out of chapter 6 this morning. I want to cover what this shift is. And I want to lay a good foundation so that people aren't freaked out and scared of, because we hear a lot of people, they're scared of Revelation. They're scared of the book. They're, they're afraid. And I want you to see that there's no reason to be afraid. So from chapter, well, actually, after chapter 4, um, okay. <laughs> After chapter 4, there's really no, any, no longer any um, names of Jesus that are to the church. In the first three chapters, all the names that Jesus identifies himself are not Jewish. They're names that were in the first part, in the first chapter of Revelation. From chapter 4 on, and chapter 5 especially, no longer. There is a complete shift in Jesus' names and titles throughout the whole book, and they're all Jewish. From chapter 4 on... The church is in the throne room. The church is not spoken of again from chapter 6 on. In chapter 4 and 5, it's mentioned as the elders, the 24 elders. And from 6 on, you do not hear the church. The church is not spoken of until chapter 19. The church are coming back with Jesus. Okay, and that kind of messes up some post-tribulation theology. And we'll probably look at that next week a little bit of, of some different things of mid and post-trib. Um, but chapter 6 is where you're going to see the wrath. It says in, in chapter 6, um, the wrath of the Lamb is poured out. Men are hiding themselves in caves. caves. It says all men, if you're rich or poor, they're hiding in themselves in caves, and they're hiding themselves from the presence of God. That's not something the church would ever do. I don't know about you, but a, I don't hide myself from the presence of God. I'm here because I want to inhabit the praise, his presence. Amen? There's a presence, and we, come, we, don't, we don't run from the presence of God. So um, that, that's just some of these shifts are going to start taking place in chapter 6. As a pre-tribulational belief system or eschatological position, this is where you see, I mean, this is where the, the seals start opening up, and this is where the wrath of the Lamb, the wrath of God starts being poured out. So... Um, in chapter 6, I'm just going to, I wrote this out. In, ch in chapter 6, John is still viewing the heavenly scene. The lamb is at the throne as he opens the seals. That's going to be important because you're going to see the first rider come out. Some people think that's Jesus. He's such a good imposter that people think he's Jesus still. But he's not Jesus. Jesus is the lamb that's in the throne opening the seals. 
Okay, just want to clarify that. The seven lamps are in the throne room, as well as the 24 elders. Both of those are identified as the church. In the first chapter, the, the, the lamps are the church. Jesus is walking amongst the lampstands. They're on earth. He's walking amongst them. In chapter 4, they're in heaven. The 24 elders are identified as the church. Where's the 24 elders? In heaven. So, from chapter 6 through 19, it's called properly, a lot of people call this tribulation, but really the proper name for this section is Daniel's 70th week. Many call the time period the tribulation, which is, is okay. But precisely, Jesus called the last three and a half years great tribulation. So there's tribulation and great tribulation, okay? So, but really, and we're going to look at Daniel, the whole thing would be properly called Daniel's 70th week. Um, it's okay if you call it tribulation, because it is. Jesus called, called the last three and a half great tribulation. In Jeremiah 30, it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. Time of Jacob's trouble. And other names are for tribulation or for this time period are God, the time of God's wrath, outpouring of God's wrath, the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord, it is used 20 times in eight Old Testament books. This time period, as the day of the Lord, is used 20 times in the Old Testament. The Old Testament talks more about this time than even the New Testament, which is pretty interesting. Three, old, three um, times in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2, verse 20, um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, and in the Old Testament day of wrath was used in Zephaniah, the day of wrath term, was used in Zephaniah 1, 15, also the day of the Lord's wrath, Zephaniah 1, 18, also the day of darkness in chapter 2 of Joel. So you have a lot of titles for this time period. Do any of them sound very good? <laughs> the only one that sounds good is the day of the Lord. Like, that sounds good. And, and probably um, this book opens up in John, and John says that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. More, probably the more correct reading and rendering of that is that he was in the Spirit on the day of the Lord. You follow me? Because this is that time period. John was translated in the Spirit to the day of the Lord. A lot of people go, oh, he was in the Spirit on Sunday. No, because Sunday is called the Lord's Day, right? I think really more a proper interpretation of the first chapter is that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Because this is what all of this period that he's seeing and viewing is, is showing. It doesn't have to be, that's, that's saith Steve Dennison, um, you can write your congressman if you want, but it's just thus saith Steve Dennison. It's okay if you think that he was on the Lord's Day, he was getting the vision on Sunday. That's okay too. Um, it's not really going to change anything. But I just see there's, a, in the Old Testament, it was used 20 times, that, that section. So why am I calling this the big shift? Well, I don't know if you guys have been hearing this, but for quite some time, man and man's teaching has saying that things are going to get better. Now, we're at a spot right now in this last year or so, we're like, I'm questioning that, right? But for quite some time, it's like, oh, things are getting better. We're, we're making health improvements, and we're improving the earth, and we're going to save the world. We're going to keep the global warming from happening, and we're going to, you know, hug trees and make sure nothing happens to them, and, and like, we're, we're, everything's going to get better and better. Like, that's what man has been speaking, but it's just a little different than what God's been saying. In Scripture, man says, things, says that things are getting better, and the world's getting better. 
And God says it will become increasingly worse. Increase, there will be an increase of moral decay. Now, this part isn't like so spiffy, but it's just, I want you to see the difference of what man says and what God actually says. And where are we at? Has, has, moral, has the morals of people increased? Or is it just, it's pathetic? It's actually, Isaiah says that good will be spoken of as evil, and evil will be spoken of as good in what? In that day. That's where we're at. Like, exactly the evil, all the stuff that is, you're like, what is spoken of as good? And if you think that the evil is bad, you're evil. That's where we're at. Man says peace among nations is close at hand. That's what's been being said for, how many of you got old enough to be known? Like, that's what, oh yeah, we're getting closer. Peace, we're going to have peace. We're working out... You know, Trump made a peace treaty with a couple of nation people. Oh, my gosh, then he's the Antichrist. No, he's not the Antichrist. But that is the picture. There's going to be peace, peace, peace. And the Antichrist will bring peace for a minute. <laughs> but God says, here's what he says. God says there's going to be wars, rumors of wars. It'll be kingdom against kingdom. Man expects to win the battle. Here, here's... Man expects to win the battle against disease, famine, hardship. And God says there's going to be fearful judgments of famine, disease, and hardship. Jesus spoke of the day, of that day, and he said that none shall be like it. None shall be like it. Now, Pastor Steve, this is sounding pretty doom and gloom. It is. It is not going to be good. But there's a big shift. We're going to be caught up. We're going to be caught up. And you're going to see when these seals start opening up. And just for funsies, I know a lot of us think, and I've always thought this, but there's no biblical part of this that the the day we're raptured is the day that tribulation starts. It doesn't say that. It says that we're going to be caught up before, before the man of lawlessness is revealed. It could be weeks, months, it could be years, I don't know. But I know we're going to be caught up. So it could be the same day. There's just nothing that says it is. So I don't know why I told you that, but it's just something that stood out to me in my city. I'm like, I've always just thought that there could be a little gap. We don't know. Anyways, I want you to see there's a big shift. There's a lot of things have been being pushed this direction, said this is going to happen. What did Jesus say? He says it's not going to be too great. Matthew 24, 21 through 22, Jesus said it this way. He said, for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Now this, this verse gives me a little bit of an um, indication of that we're in that time period. I don't believe there was ever pre- um, most of the nations and countries having atomic weapons, 
there being a time, I mean, it would be pretty tough to wipe out all flesh on the earth, run around with bows and arrows and spears. Even muskets, even rifles. But he says, and unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. That's how bad it's going to get. Now, I want to give you guys a, a little purpose. What is the purpose of the tribulation? Why is there going to be tribulation? What's the purpose? These are some questions I think are good to, um, and I'm going to give you a couple, couple verses of my ideas of why that is, what the Bible says. Um, in Hosea chapter 5, verse 15, this is what the Bible says. It says. Jesus says, I will return again to my place till the, until they acknowledge their offense. Then they will seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. Wow. This is prophesied. I will return again to my place. Did Jesus return again to his place? God came to earth, right? And then he raptured up to heaven. I will return again to my place till they acknowledge their offense. Who's they? Hosea is speaking to Israel. They will seek my face. Then they will seek my face. When they acknowledge their offense, when they acknowledge their offense, then they will seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. This is the purpose of tribulation. Matthew 23, verse 37 through 39. Now, this is Jesus's um, right before um, his big, when the disciples ask him, like, tell us about the last days. What are there going to be the signs? This is what he says before that. Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. Listen to his heart. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That sounds like what Hosea was saying. They would go through affliction and then they would turn to him. And this was Jesus saying, oh, how often I wanted to gather you. Like, he came for the purpose to gather them. For they would see he's the Messiah. And he's saying, oh, Jerusalem, how that was my heart. That was my sole purpose. I came to you. I wanted to gather you. But, but they rejected him. I wanted to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks under his wings, but you are not willing. See, he doesn't force himself. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now listen to Zechariah's prophecy, Zechariah 9.10. It says, it shall be in that day, what day? That day, that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Israel. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieves for him as one grieves for a firstborn. The purpose. This is the purpose. 
of Daniel 70th week, that tribulation to bring Israel to the point to recognize, oh my God, we pierced him. We rejected our Messiah. We crucified our Messiah. And he is gathering them and saying, oh, I forgive you. I restore you. How many, how many can sympathize with that? Some of us, you can go in the high and mighty spot and go like, oh, look at them, man. They're all screwed up. Romans tells us you better not do that. Romans 11. He has not rejected them. Romans 11 says that he, because they did that, he put some blinders on them. He put, a, he put a, an ability, like, so, not that none of them can come, but they're going to they're gonna miss it for a while. They're not going to see it. This time and in this period when this shift happens, they're going to start seeing it. He specifically sends two Jewish witnesses. I believe through scripture and through what they're saying very plainly when we get there, that it's Moses and Elijah. There's not two better witnesses to speak to nation Israel than Moses, who represents the law, and Elijah, who represents the prophets, to come and point and go, remember what the, all the prophets said? And they're pointing at Jesus. There's 144,000 witnesses that are Jewish that are going to be witnessing and evangelizing this planet when that big shift happens. The purpose is to bring Israel to the knowledge that Jesus was their Messiah. Isn't that a love? That's a heart of God to say, you rejected me, I'm, I want you. I'm still, I'm still not done with you. I'm giving you opportunity. The second point today is the emphasis of the tribulation period. I think it's important to look at the emphasis. What is the emphasis? We're going to do this before we get into it, because I want you to have clear understanding. What's the emphasis of the, tri of the tribulation period? And I'm going to continue on this. It's on Israel, not the church. The emphasis of this whole time is on Israel. The church is not on the earth. The church is in heaven. Actually, the, even as I discovered last week in some studies that, or a couple weeks ago, that the elders, every time there's a um, description or something being said and to John and being revealed, the elders are always revealing what's going on in heaven, not on the earth. The living creatures are explaining to John what's going on in the earth in this whole book. It's very interesting to me. The emphasis is on the, tri on the tribulation period is on Israel, not the church. I want you to see the church isn't mentioned again in, in this book until chapter 19. And what's going on at that point? The church is returning with him. From chapter on, from chapter 5 on, Jewish titles only for Jesus are used. And once again, it's a time said of Jacob's trouble. In the book of Daniel, um, the prophecy comes to Daniel. He says, Daniel, this, is, this prophecy is for your people and your holy city. Let's, I'm going to relook at Je Jeremiah 30 for a second. Jeremiah 30, verses 5 through 7. I want you to hear the language and see the patterns. For thus says the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask now and see whether a man is ever in labor with child. So why do I see every man with his hands on his loins like a woman in labor? Well, that's God calling some men out, is it not? He's like, you guys think you're all tough? He's like, what's going on? He's basically showing us, like, look, there's never been a time like this. Why has men doubled over in labor? He says, 
So why do I see every man with his hands on his loins like a woman in labor and all faces turned pale? Here's your answer. Alas, for that day is great so that none is like it and it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. That sounds like what Jesus said. There will be a day like no other. It was prophesied. Am I making this stuff up? For that day is great. Who's he speaking to? It's called a time of Jacob's trouble. I don't think you can misinterpret it. He's saying, why are all you men doubled over like women in labor? And actually, this time is actually talked about. It will be like labor. The labor pains. What happens, ladies? They come closer and closer together and stronger and stronger. That's what you're going to see as we go through this book from this point forward. Quicker and quicker and quicker. Stronger and stronger and stronger. Alas, for that day is great so that none is like it, and it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. That means there's going to be a remnant saved. Daniel 12, chapter 12, verse 1. This is, actually, I, want to, I might read some extra in Daniel. Daniel 12, well, this is what we want to look at. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. Who? The sons of your people, Daniel. Who are they? It's Israel. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 21. Even to that time, and at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. What's the emphasis of the tribulation period? Israel. Matthew 24. This is Jesus speaking. Verse 15 through 22. Listen to what he says. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. I want to stop for a second. This is our key. When people want to understand eschatology or what's going on in the end times or tribulation period, Jesus himself tells us, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, that's the Antichrist, spoken of by who? Daniel the prophet. Standing in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him understand. Where do we get our understanding of this? Daniel. That's what Jesus said. Like, you should understand this. He's talking to the Jewish people who understand the book of Daniel. And he's saying, this is where you go to get understanding. Now look what he says. Let him who is on the housetop. Who lives on rooftops? Americans? Canadians? There's one place in the world, it's in the Middle East. People live on their rooftops, still to this day. It's hot, they go up on the roof in the evening, and they cool off. You see them, they look at the stars. This is, this is speaking to Jewish people. He says, let him who is on his housetop not go down to take anything out of his house, and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes, but woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. 
and pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Oh, there's another sign. Who's he speaking to? Who, who honors the Sabbath? Okay, so am I pulling this like emphasis out of thin air or am I pulling this out of the Bible? This is coming out of the Bible. Did I just pick one little verse? Or did we look at, and if you look at all, it's that day, that day, that day, very, very consistently. He goes on and says, and pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor ever shall be. Ooh, that's like what it said in two other prophecies. It will never be like that again. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Now, this is not going to be a good time. This is going to be a rough time. I, I just want to put this in a comparison to think about. When Hitler was, was in um, ruling Germany and going through all the atrocities that he did to the Jewish people, one out of three Jewish people died. Can you imagine? A third of the Jews were murdered. Going through tribulation, two-thirds of the people are going to die. That is, that is a rough day. That is a rough time period. Not just for them, though, but for people on the planet. It is going to be rough. Zechariah prophesied this in chapter 13, verses 8 and 9. Listen to, listen, listen to what Zechariah said. And it shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left in it. I will bring the one-third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God. Is that consistent with all those other prophecies? saying that the per they're going to look and say, he's the one we pierced. Forgive. He is our God. He says, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, when we're, and we're going to get into that here shortly. The first, the first part of Daniel 9, 24 he makes it very clear. The angel uh, makes it very clear to Daniel. He says, 70 weeks are determined for your people and your holy city. Your people and your holy city. To finish the transgression. There's the purpose. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy, uh, most holy. really, um, this is New King James, and in uh, the Greek it's most holy place, to anoint the most holy place. Seventy weeks are determined. Now there's teaching and theology that says this has already happened. Parts of this have, not all of it. Has there been a finish of, of the transgression? Make, made an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, 
and to anoint the most holy place. I know we haven't sealed up vision and prophecy. I mean, I know there's a few of these that we haven't finished, so. What's the emphasis of the tribulation period? Who's the emphasis on? Is that my idea, or is this pretty, pretty biblical? This is, this, is, this is a lot of scripture here. Now, I want you to look at the scope. The scope of the tribulation period. It's a seven-year period that begins with the Antichrist making a peace treaty. This is what starts it. The Antichrist will make a peace treaty with Israel, with many nations. There's, you see all this stuff going on right now in Afghanistan. This is, you might say, well, I don't know, this really doesn't have a whole lot to play in the end times. Oh, yes, it does. I would challenge you to go look at a map of Afghanistan. I don't know if many of you know, it gets into, a, towards the east, it gets into a very, very thin sliver. And you know what country touches that? China. China will have a passage straight through Afghanistan into the Middle East. We know that that is going to happen. Jesus said it's going to happen. The kings of the east are going to come. They're going to join forces with all the stands, pretty much. There's a bunch of them. Not just Afghanistan. There's a bunch of stands. They're going to come against Israel. So right now, we know that China is, making, is in Afghanistan, working with the Afghanistan people to see, like, hey, what's some of the stuff that we might be able to purchase from you? And China has legitimized the Taliban. They have recognized them already as a legitimate nation. Don't show, it, it, this has got to happen. This has all got to happen for that day. Like, yeah, I mean, am I excited about it in one way? No. Like, it stinks to be, you know, watch this stuff. But at the other time, I'm excited. All this is exactly what's happening, what Jesus said is going to happen. And we're watching it, and we're seeing it. That means everything else written in his book is straight up legitimate. Right? If anything else, your faith in God and faith in his word ought to be going like, whoop, like crazy. Seven-year period, it starts, the beginning of it is, is when the Antichrist makes peace with Israel. He breaks, then he will break his covenant and desecrate the temple by demanding worship of himself. That starts the three and a half years of great tribulation. All throughout um, Daniel's book and throughout the Bible, it talks about this time period in, in this way. Three and a half years by three and a half years, or times, times and a half. You, you'll see that. Times, times and a half. You'll hear 42 months and 42 months. You'll hear 1,260 days and 1,260 days. It's a seven-year period. In Daniel 9, 24 through 27, now we're going to look at the main passage of Daniel that Jesus points to. And if you want to put that uh, picture up there, um, I want you to see this as, and we're not going to put the verses up here right now. Just leave, go ahead and leave that up. And then you guys, if you have your Bibles, um, or you can put, pull it down once in a while. But the first thing I want you to see in verse um, 24, it says this. It's 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. He gives us the scope. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make reconcilia reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. That's the scope. That's, that's the, the purpose. Now watch. Verse 25. You're going to see in verse 25. Know therefore, know therefore, 
and understand that, go ahead and put the verse up, that from, if you have your Bibles, circle and make highlighted from, just that word, from the going forth of the command to restore, underline this, restore and build Jerusalem. And then highlight this, until. So here's your, here's your, your 69 weeks. As you're going to watch, I'm going to show you this. It's from until. This is not me making this up. Daniel says, the angels tell Daniel, know therefore and understand. What does he want them to know? Know and understand. From the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. From what? The going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah the Prince. So there's your from until. And he says that from until, it says there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall. That's 69 weeks period. The from until. All right. Can you put the picture back up there for me? Maybe. <laughs> there you go. So that first box, verse 25, shows 69 weeks. Right? Is that what you're seeing in your Bible? From until, he says, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. 62 plus 7, even in Calvary's high school, is 69 weeks. <laughs> All right? Now, let's look at verse 26. This is where people get really confused. If you don't look at the from until, this section can get, can get screwy. From until, how many weeks do we have in verse 25? 69. Okay, now let's look at the next verse. Now, hold on, before we get there, that from the command, it says to restore and build Jerusalem. Some people have got that confused with when um, it is, the commands were given to rebuild the temple, like to Nehemiah. Like, it's not that. It said rebuild street and wall, like rebuild the city, restore and build Jerusalem. And then that actually happened on March 14th, 445 BC, King Artaxerxes in the book of Ezra. And, I, and we've done, I've already shown you this, so this is just a recap. In Ezra chapter 7, verse 11 through 28, that command came out, and it is historically noted. From there until Messiah the Prince. Well, when did Jesus come and, and, I, and he identified himself as who he was? That's called the triumphal entry. Up until that time, people would say, you're the Messiah, and he'd say, shh, be quiet. He came on the scene and established himself openly, I am the Messiah, on the triumphal entry, and we know that date, that date in history. That was in April 4th, 32 AD. Luke chapter 19 tells us that, shows us that. Josephus was the historian that dated that one. There shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks from the going forth to, to rebuild the city until Messiah the Prince. There shall be 60 weeks and 60... And guess what? That time period, that actually lined up just mathematically on the calendar, fulfilled that time. It happened, just like he said. So, now we go. It says, look at the next words. And after the 62 weeks. Well, what came before the 62? Seven, right? Now, this is where I wish they... they this just would be so clear for us to go like, after the 62 weeks... Or just say 69 weeks, after the 69 weeks. Because the 7 came first, right? 7 and 62. It says, after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. But either way, 
What's the word say after in verse 20? After. It's after that verse, after that section, after the to and until, or from and until. After from and until, Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself, or which means in some translations, like it'll seem to that he accomplished nothing. Messiah is going to be cut off prematurely. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood. Until the end of the war, desolations are determined. So you have an after, and then verse 27, then he shall come. Who's he? The, verse 26, the prince who is to come. That's the Antichrist, by the way. The people of the Antichrist, that happened. So what I want you to see is there's the, the from and until, right? Jesus appears. That's from and until. It says after. Well, what happened after that? It says he will be cut off. Jesus, was Jesus cut off? Was Jesus crucified? Was that after the 69 weeks? Yeah. It says that the city would be surrounded by the people of the Antichrist. Well, Rome came and surrounded that city in A.D. 70. Now, Jesus in Luke 21 told him it was going to happen. And here's a kind of fun, when we'll look at this probably next week, a fun fact is that the church, literally, when that happened, they knew it was coming, and the church escaped. It's historical. They went to a whole other city, and the most of the Jews stayed because they didn't believe Jesus. And that city, Jerusalem, was destroyed in AD 70, and the temple, just like Daniel prophesied. But I want you to see two things. Jesus was crucified and resurrected after the 69 weeks, right? It said to or from and until, or from and after, like, there's your, there's your 69 weeks. Jesus died after that, and Rome was d destroyed after that, okay? So this is what you call the interval in this section of verses. And then verse 27 says, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. We're back to the weeks. We had 69 weeks. Then there's an interval. That interval is the church age. We don't have to go, like, give you 20 other things that are going to happen. He gave you two pretty significant ones that were after the 69 weeks. Fair enough? Then shall come confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offerings. Who's going to bring it in? The Antichrist, the prince who is to come in verse 26, who destroyed, or the people of the Antichrist destroyed the city. Then he, the Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. Can you put the, the picture back up there? This is, I, I found one of the better ways to show you the interval. Verse 69, and, and, and highlight the things I was telling you. 69 weeks, there's 7 and 62 in verse 25, the from until, and then you have verse 26, which is after the 69 weeks. But then in verse 27, it says, then shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Then he shall. The, that starts what? For one week, the last 70th week. That hasn't happened yet. That hasn't happened yet. Some people believe that all this has already happened. That hasn't happened yet. 
The Antichrist hasn't um, appeared. He's, I believe he's probably on the earth, but he has not been revealed. We don't know who he is. Now, there's been lots of speculation. I've got some speculations. I'm not going to give them to you today because you're going to, who knows? If they just are speculations. Um, I'm not going to go there. I, I want to, but I'm not. <laughs> but I want you to see, this is, this is the, the passage of Scripture, and we're going get to get there some more throughout the next couple times, um, that I wanted to just recap the 70 weeks of Daniel. Now, I want you to see the timing of the tribulation. The 70th week, the timing. The Antichrist will have, have to be known publicly to establish a treaty. And 2 Thessalonians 2 teaches that before he can appear publicly, the rapture is a prerequisite. Okay? Does that make sense? Before um, the Antichrist is going to be known to the world, Thessalonians, Paul teaches us that the, the rapture has to happen first. So for some people who have been freaked out, and why really I'm going to end here, um, they've been freaked out, and I had someone not too long ago, even in the church, posted something, well, then I really do, do think that the, the jab is the mark of the beast. I don't believe that. I don't believe that because the Antichrist has to be evidenced on the earth. We'd have to know who he is before you can take the mark of the beast. And the Antichrist comes before the beast comes. And the church is going to be gone by then. So if, you, if you've taken the jab, you haven't taken the mark. I believe it's a prerequisite just getting people used to the idea of a one-world idea that everyone has to do this thing. And if, if you don't believe me, go back to Daniel chapter 7, and you will see that there will be a one-world government, the last large kingdom on this planet. And that's what's getting established. All of that is happening. We're getting towards that to where, have you ever seen a one-world pandemic where everyone, everybody, everyone on the globe all locked down the same. Everyone on the globe all did the same. Even in America where you have rights, those are going away because for the good of the whole. You follow me? Yeah. One world system for the good of the whole. And I'm not talking should you or should you not. I'm just telling you this is what's happening. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians so you can sleep better tonight. I can't leave you here, even though we're going a little late. Or do you want me to leave you here? <laughs> Probably not. Now, before I get to chapter 2, I'm just going to look at 2 Thessalonians 1. Um, Verse 5, it says, which is manifest evidence of the righteous. You don't have this, so don't worry about it, Steve. Um, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment. Just listen to me, church. Righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. Who's he talking to? The church. That you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Do we suffer as the church? Yes. There's tribulation that happens to the church. There has been since its inception. It just hasn't been from God. He goes on to say, for which you also suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. It's a righteous thing for God to repay with tribulation those who persecute you, those who trouble you. He goes on to say, and to give you who are troubled rest 
with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on who? Those who do not know God. And on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, then or these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Is that clear? Now, it's going to be really clear here in chapter 2. Now, I want you to understand, the Thessalonian church, this messes up, Paul messes up all of our really wise pastors and teachers and philosophers of today's day that says that the, we should not teach eschatology to babies, baby Christians. Paul just didn't agree. The, the, first, the first letters written, the, the oldest manuscripts of the, written of the church in the New Testament are the Thessalonians. Those were the first letters written. Those both talk about a very baby church that Paul's with, and he's teaching them eschatology. He had already taught them one of the letters we don't, we don't have, because we know he'd already taught them before that, because he goes, in my previous letter, <laughs> the first Thessalonians, they're freaked out. They're, they start going, well, wait a minute. There's people, they were, they were so expecting the rapture to happen that as people started dying, they started worrying. And in, in first Thessalonians, they're worrying. They go, what, what happens to the people that died? Oh, no, they're not going to be part of the rapture. They died. So he writes 1 Thessalonians, and you're going to, that's where we see, like, look, don't trip out. The dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then we're going to be caught up with them in the air. So he straightens that one out. And then 2 Thessalonians, they start freaking out, thinking they're in the tribulation because they're having tribulation on the earth. But it's coming from men. They're having struggles. So they start freaking out. They're like, oh, no, we didn't get raptured. Tribulation's already happened. So Paul rewrites to them. And in, this is what I want to read to you today that we'll close with. Second chapter of Thessalonians. Paul says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. So what's he talking about? Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or or by word, or by letter, as it was from us, as though the day of Christ had already come. This is what he says. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day. Oh, there we go. He's like, so you don't screw this up. That day will not come unless what? The falling away. The word is uh, departing, or apostasy, which means a departing. Unless departing comes first, and the man of sin is revealed. A lot of, that's really translating the Greek, the man of lawlessness, who's the Antichrist. So what, what did he say? Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the departing, or the apostasy, those falling away, which we see the Laodicean church. Remember? Did they fall away? Yeah. In that time period. And, and are there people falling away from the gospel today? In droves. That's got to happen first. The man of sin, the man of lawlessness, has to be revealed first. Who opposes, or he says, those that day of Christ had come, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all. That is called God, or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, I wish I had time. We'll have to do this next week, or, or write this down. Go read Daniel 9, 29. 
Antichrist. He says that he will set himself up as God. He will be worshipped by God. He has no respect for any other gods in Daniel chapter 11. He, worship, he gets worshipped himself. We have to be caught up before these things happen. It says, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Is that true? Yeah, it's already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. What's restraining the Antichrist? You need to know this. What's restraining the Antichrist? The church. The Holy Spirit in us. The church on this earth. We are, you think it's bad now? We're here. Wait till you take the light out of the earth. Wait till you take, it's like America, right? This country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. You've seen the blessing of that. You're seeing that erode and you're seeing our power and everything else go away. What happens when you take the church out of the earth? All hell's going to break loose. There is no restrainer. The restrainer has to be taken out of the way first for the Antichrist to come. You should be excited by that. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. Who? Those that are perish Because they did not receive the love of the truth. Has the church received the love of the church, the truth? So you're not perishing. That they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned. Who? who? Who's getting a strong delusion that they all may be condemned? Those who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in what? unrighteousness he goes on he says but we are bound to give thanks to god always for you now it's like boom but but you but we are bound to give thanks to god always for you brethren beloved by the lord because god from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our lord jesus christ therefore brethren stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or epistle. Now, this is what cracks me up. The mid-trib or, or mid, what they call pre-wrath position, which is mid-trib, they say that this is a, a very new theology or an eschatology. Pre-tribulation, although that wasn't taught until just... Um, I'm pretty sure Paul's teaching that right now. Is that, can you mistake that this is what he's teaching? So miss me with that. Paul's teaching it to the very first book that was recorded, that's in the canon of the New Testament. How do you get earlier, earlier than that? Almost like the Holy Spirit knew like there would be arguments to that. You know what? I think I'm actually going to... Hold on a second, John. Hold on a second. Peter, don't have Luke. You know what? Don't have Mark write that. Go ahead and write. The very first book we're going to get dated, the oldest book, is going to be Thessalonians. 
where there's eschatology being taught. And it's a, a rapture that's coming before Antichrist. It says, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting, everlasting consultation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. He's saying, comfort yourself, church. Comfort yourself, Thessalonian. Baby church, just because you're suffering some trouble does not mean this is tribulation. Because you are the restrainer. There, there has to be an apostasy or a great falling away before the Antichrist comes. You're going to be raptured before that. And just for fun, um, that word translated apostasy or falling away also has the meaning departure. There's a departing that also could mean, and I don't even have to do this, like there's enough there to show very, very clearly show us like we're gone before that. But that word can mean in the Greek has a definite article. So it, it's speaking of which means that it refers to an event known by the recipients and the definite, definite article. So what is the main thing text that's being talked about? The rapture of the church. So that word, the apostasy or falling away or departure is speaking specifically of rapture. So that could read, um, since the whole subject is about the rapture and the concern of the Thessalonians, they were already in the tribulation. That could read where it says, unless there's a great falling away, it said, let, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the departing comes first. We don't even have to put that there. I could leave it as apostasy because there's apostasy happening too. But that's not, there's a lot of scholars that will say, that's what that means. I just want you to be aware of it. We don't even need it. I don't, it you don't even have to put it there because it's saying that whole thing. But if it ever you get questioned, I mean, and you're getting worried about what the heck's going on, read the second chapter of Thessalonians again. Just read all of Thessalonians. I read first and second Thessalonians in one sitting. It doesn't take long. Next week, we're going to look at some of the signs of his coming. I'm going to show Luke 21, Matthew 24, you're going to see um, a lot of times they get harmonized because we want to harmonize the Gospels all together all the time, and not everything is supposed to be harmonized. I'm going to show you Luke 21. Jesus is speaking very specifically of what's happening in A.D. 70. Very specifically, Matthew 24, of the second time Jerusalem is going to be destroyed in the tribulation. All right? So we're going to look at that, and we're going to look at the signs of his coming. We're going to look at some different mid post pre-tribulation positions, the pros and cons, and then hopefully hope you'll have a very good understanding as we get into chapter 6. I don't want you freaked out during chapter 6 wondering where you're at. Amen? Amen. Let me pray with you. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for making it, I hope it was clear. Um, Lord, thank you for the patterns that we can see consistently throughout scripture of who you are and how you are. I thank you, Lord, that we're not shaken and that we have a great hope in who you are. And Lord, I'm so glad that I ain't going to be around here when Antichrist is, is revealed. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that we've got the best seats in the house, in your temple and in your presence. We thank you for that, Jesus. Lord, I pray for those who are battling COVID, who are struggling. Um, Lord, I pray that you give them victory over this stupid disease that's from the enemy. Lord, and I ask God that you would um, bring a covering by your blood as we took communion, Lord, today. I pray, Lord, that we just realize and receive that covering that comes through your blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're dismissed. If you want any verse, go to the office. 
Oh, yeah. If you want your um, books, they're $8 in the office. If you order them off Amazon, they're, I think, twice that. So there's limited time on those. 